listening to Give Yourself Some Leeway. With me, your host, Eugene Lee. When I started this podcast, I wanted to create a safe space to talk about mental health and well-being in the workplace. To open up and be vulnerable with these emotions that not many of us talk about. To understand and become self-aware of these self-sabotaging behaviours that affect not only our professional but also our personal relationships and how to overcome conditioned beliefs from our childhood that are holding us back in our adult lives. Today I am joined by Dale Likens and after 30 years as a leader in a large church organization Dale realized that his core values and beliefs were no longer aligned with those of the church. He decided to leave his vocation and start down his own path, true to his core values, including opening an LGBTQ safe space to question and strengthen their faith. Dale and I talk about a lot in this episode, including the importance of leading and living from your core values, how to align your beliefs and thoughts with the rest of your life, and how past traumas can influence everything. They can hold you back. They can cause you to self-sabotage and how you can overcome these. This is a really heavy episode. We cover a lot of content, but again, this is only the start of the conversation. You can continue the discussion over at giveyourselfsomeleeway.com, on Instagram at eugene.leeway, or on the podcast page at giveyourselfsomeleeway, or you can shoot me an email at eugene at leeway.ie. As always, I love hearing from you. I love getting your feedback, and I'm always open to conversation. This is a space I wanted to create. So thank you again for listening to this episode. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Dale Likens. Dale, welcome to Give Yourself Some Leeway. And thank you again so much for taking time to join the show today. Well, I'm glad to be here, Eugene. It's uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Dale, for you've been in a leadership role for over 30 years. Um, what was that like for you? And who is it that you serve now? And why do you do what you do? I know this is a loaded question. I have been told this many times, but it just helps me understand you that little bit better. Yes. Yeah, yeah there is a lot in that question. Um, so uh, kind of wrapping it up in a, in succinctly as much as I can. Um, my experience over 30 years uh, has been um, mostly as a pastor in a local church. So um that has of course built into it well actually i won't say of course because a lot of people may not understand that you think of a certain thing when you think of of religion and the you know the the church or the pastor uh it is not all about you know praying and wearing long flowy robes uh there is a lot about leadership i mean that is a skill that is absolutely necessary in uh you know helping a group of people um keep uh, you know, on the same page about their own purpose, their purpose of the organization. Plus the church is, let's not just, you know, keep it all polished up. It is 
a lot of it is corporate. And so, uh, you know, and I was in a situation where I had a hierarchy that, uh, you know, was involved a lot more than I wanted, but in my, in my uh, local work in what I was doing. And so, uh, you know, there are goals to set, there are people to lead. And I led pretty large churches. So I had a lot of people to manage, a lot of committees, uh, staff of, you know, up to 18, 20 people, uh, budgets. And so there was just all, all of that took most of my time. And so, um, you know, I got to the point, which I know we'll talk more about in a minute, so I won't get into all of that, but got to a place um, after, like you said, about 30 years, uh, which was about in 2019, so about four years ago, where I realized that my own uh, values and my own, um, you know, kind of um, personal beliefs did not necessarily align with the organization. And so I left, I uh, made that decision after all that time. And so now I actually founded um, a faith community um, that I'm the, the lead, uh, you know, the founder and the leader up. Um, and so I serve, um, they are mostly, you know, my, uh, uh, the people that I serve is um, LGBTQ folks, families. Uh, we are an open and affirming congregation or church or a, a community. And um, also uh, people who, like me, kind of have decided, you know, have gotten to the point where uh, maybe what they thought they believed all these years is not working, or they don't believe that anymore. So they're looking for a way to ask questions and have a safe place to to explore. So that's where I come from. I love that. I think one thing as well that I can resonate a lot with back in 2019, where you said that your values and your beliefs no longer aligned with the work that you did. Mm -hmm. And I find that happens to a lot of people before they burn out. They're working in a job that no longer aligns with their core values or their mm -hmm. beliefs. And mm -hmm. that's why the work is so draining, because maybe they have been doing it for decades. But next yep. thing they realize that there has been a culture shift or there has been some shift somewhere be it in the work that they do or maybe in the company's visions or goals and it no longer aligns with the work that they've been doing all these years and they realize or maybe it's just their own personal development maybe they have changed mm -hmm. and they just realize oh this no longer aligns with what i want to achieve my own growth and development and yeah. it takes it, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to actually step up and be like, no, I'm going to leave that comfort and consistency mm -hmm. that I'm used to for so long. That has been sometimes almost part of your identity. Absolutely. And to, to, actually, to actually, yeah, to step out and be like, no, I'm taking this change. And what you've done there, you've created an open space, a space for discussion mm -hmm. where not only for people um, who are LGBT and want to also have their relationship with God, but also anyone who's open to questioning their mm -hmm. faith mm -hmm. and sometimes yes I, I think the traditional way is that you can't really you're not meant to question it uh, definitely oh, no, in, no. <laughs> in, in, in like catholic irish background that i have oh you could not question it it's yeah. like just it, it's what's in the book is in the book you, you better believe it right that's threatening to the organization and the institution yeah so when when you said there about let's say your values and your beliefs mm -hmm. um what's this concept of let's say to 
to lead and live uh, from your core, was mm-hmm. it your core values and your core beliefs? Uh, could you explain that concept a little bit more? I will. And I'm going to put a little bit more, a little context as well, because you mentioned something about like, some of the reasons one might find yourself unaligned with an organization that you are connected with. Uh, here we're talking about employment um, uh, and uh, it could be a culture shift or your own uh, you know, values change or some things change about yourself. And Eugene, for me, it was both of those things happened. The organization's culture started to shift from the 30 years when I started in 1989. Um, it was a very different world uh, in the organization than, you know, the 10 or so years before I actually decided to leave. And I saw that the organization got to a point where it was so the purpose it seemed of the whole institution was the uh, perpetuation of the institution and a lot of fear about uh, the future. And, you know, and so that just is what drove them. And that led to a lot more pressure from the top down and so that was happening and i was did not i had some experiences that were not positive at all in that process um and also i was about 50 50 ish 55 years old and so i was just in this moment where um i needed or was just feeling um you know that, that something was um something was off that, you know, I wasn't quite making it where I wanted to go. And I wasn't getting the organization I was leading to go where we had decided to go. And so those two things came together. So um, in that time, I created a space for myself uh, by taking a leave um, and then being very intentional. It was about six weeks um, to read to visit mentors and friends um, and to spend time really reflecting on what it was I wanted to be about you know what was it that was the you know my own desires for the rest of my life kind of thing so um, and through that is when I real then came to have some you know some more clarity around uh, what it was that I was about you know and and so um you know and and it took took a lot of effort really to discover what was off so before i could really say you know what about leading from the core for me discovering the core was really difficult okay so i um you know took counseling and it took um you know a lot of work uh to uh figure out that you know for me it came from some past childhood trauma that I had pushed down so far. Um, And so uh, once, you know, I could kind of deal with that and and think about it, I could be more, um, you know, I kind of had more of a, uh, and at least an understanding of why I was in the place that I was. So. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, taking that first step to mm-hmm. actually do the work or to even be aware that their their work needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I think a lot yeah. of people, when it comes to counseling or therapy, they're like, oh, no, I, I know that's opening a black box I don't want to open. But you need 
if, if anything, there's probably a lot of escapism happening in the background, or there's mm. a lot of ways that it's affecting your life that you aren't aware of. But mm -hmm. I think it's, sometimes it takes either hitting a rock bottom, which we wish people would could avoid, avoid that pain uh, if at all possible. But sometimes there's just a lot of tension or, again, just this misalignment in everything that you do. And you're like, something's not right here. What do I need to do to change? And mm. often getting counseling or talk, talking to someone, uh, talk, getting professional help is a good starting point. Be a, even one conversation can help bring up a lot and, and help you be more aware of what's okay and what's not okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. And, um, you know, again, that led, I had been working about 10 years before that moment with a, a leadership coach um, who's now just become a great friend of mine, but um, she's been through a lot with me. <laughs> so, uh, but I was in, um, a particular church, uh, this was two, uh, the last two that I was was a part of, um, where the leadership, uh, when I got there, was really ready, you know, like, and I'm talking about, you know, like the board, you know, board of directors, however you want to think of that, uh, were really ready to go to another place, like the, the, the church uh, had just been doing what it does all the time and they were ready to get involved more in the community and to open up their own view of the world and their you know what their purpose was to be broader and to be really about people who were not part of of their own congregation and so um the leadership was ready to go we you know did we thought all that you needed to do <laughs> Uh, to help other people kind of be part of this dreaming, visioning process. And uh, we, un, you know, made some decisions on, you know, kind of uh, shared them with everybody. And uh, it, it just became this, uh, this huge point of conflict. I mean, it just exploded, um, you know, and, and so there was a lot of, pushback and a lot of it was directed at me because I'm the face you know of what's happening in the organization I think anyone who might be in the top management doesn't have to be the top management don't get me wrong but that for sure gets a lot of you know the uh the blame or the focus of any mal you know discontent and we knew that this was kind of a you know, in 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 any kind of organization, any change like that is going to take time, and it's and some conflict is necessary because it uh, lead. You know, it's you have to. It's necessary at times to break down old patterns of of uh, operating. Uh, there were some very unhealthy ways that this place had been for a long time, and um, so the next place I went some similar things happened and it was, uh, you know, just really difficult. And so that's a part of that leading as well from like who you know yourself to be and to be sure that you are uh, following, you know, what's, I don't want to say right, but you know, what, um, you know, what's been agreed upon by everybody and that it, that you're all in and um, uh, can kind of, when all that 
stuff comes at you that's negative and sometimes it's personal uh, to be able not to get that wrapped up in yourself you know that it's it's just change and people are just angry and they're hurt they're afraid you know and uh what uh, i discovered eugene through my counseling and all that is um that i was afraid and angry and <laughs> anxiety not because of what was happening in the organization but those were just things inside of me that you know from what i had experienced uh, i was abused as a kid that and and had never really gone to the place to like look at that and to to express you know what that did to me so um i was carrying that around you know in and so i you know had a huge people pleasing um part of myself and i I'm not saying we shouldn't try to <laughs> please people, you know, and, and be kind. That's the kindness is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in an unhealthy way of just constantly making sure that everybody's okay. And that if they're not, that's my responsibility. And um, so, and I had fear and I had self-doubt and people would say to me, um, you know, you like, after they hear my story, they'd be like, you didn't seem that way. You know, you, uh, and there were, that was very true. I could, you know, I could lead, I could make tough decisions. I could stand my ground at times. Um, but that was what was going on inside of me. No one knew, but that was why, but that was causing this like exhaustion and all the energy that it took, uh, was not helping. It did not contribute to me being in the best place to be able to, you know, rally the troops and <laughs> go forward as an organization to the, you know, the place that we, you know, had put out in our vision and our core values is where we wanted to be. So um, I'll keep talking if you want, but <laughs> I will check in with you. Yeah, no, you covered a lot there, especially yeah, those, I did. those, those, those self-sabotaging tendencies. You've covered yeah. a lot there with people pleasing. And self-doubt, these are things that come up a lot, especially with leadership burnout. Mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to influence and lead other people and you're trying to please them all, all the time. Yes, all at, at the same expense yeah. of your own energy and your own health. Yeah. And how can you show up as your best self to serve everyone else if you don't take care of yourself first? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it comes up, a lot of people always use the fill your own cup first before you right. uh, fill into anyone else's cup. And I think that that and that is something when you've got this high achieving mindset or you're a leader or you're trying to influence others or you're trying to, let's say, carry the burden, carry the weight mm -hmm. of the world on your shoulders. And often that's because you're trying to fill a hole or, or fill a wound. Mm -hmm. And as, as you've explained yourself as well, you're trying to fill in that childhood trauma mm -hmm. and you're taking on this or trying to, let's say, make up for this past trauma by mm -hmm. over serving or over expending yourself again at your own expense to try okay. and serve others and even where other people didn't see it the way you did it's your own negative self-narrative that yes. always right. puts you down even right. though you were showing up to your full potential yes that self-narrative was part of the um uh coping mechanisms that I had developed even early as a child and had just become part of who I was. Uh, the situation, though, you know, as an adult, I really, they weren't serving me any longer, though, because I wasn't 
in the same situation. I, you know, but it felt like it at times or my body kind of carried that trauma. And so it would just kick immediately into those, you know, defense mechanisms or those coping skills uh, that had gotten me to the age of 55 and pretty successfully. But at but but began to have a negative impact. You know, I would, um, you know, as a result of a lot of that, uh, I can think of one example in particular. Well, I won't go one example. I'll say one person um, is in the last place that I was serving and and leading, and uh, had a pretty high profile staff person um, who had been there, you know, a bit longer than I had been, but. And uh, I kind of, you know, began to give her more and more uh, responsibility and trust in in my circle and uh, began finally, well, let me say this, she would, uh, and I noticed this, you know, like I would have an idea and then she would have a little different take on it. And what I I found myself often saying, like going with how she wanted to implement it or to shift it, which wasn't quite where I wanted to be. It would, you know, I thought this is going to take longer. I'm not sure that's a good idea, but I hear what she's saying. So, okay. And, um, you know, there is some some give and take that should happen in in leadership and in, in uh, you know, these roles. But what I'm talking about, though, is that I did this all the time. You know, it didn't matter what it was. So I would call that kind of like, you know, giving away my voice, you know, giving away even my power of the role that I had in the organization. So, you know, here I had been there like six years and we were still trying to get, you know, like to just make some changes that just were really difficult and i finally during that renewal that leave that i took uh that relationship that staff person was was on my list because i knew there was something there that needed to shift and it was probably going to be me that needed to 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 kind of know what that was and implement it of course and so um i realized that you know what was happening to me was also happening with other people that she was working with. And so the whole organization was really being, I'm going to use the word manipulated, you know, and I was allowing that to happen because I was too, but that comes from my past as well. That's a thing that came from the abuse and that my abusers manipulated me so that I would be quiet and, you know, and be, um, uh, you know, just kind of, stay in the situation well i didn't have a choice not to but you know uh they could just continue the the uh unhealthy situation that we had so so anyway i i'm but i wasn't aware of that you know until like i said at this point in my life i was like this you know why do i keep doing that it was just you know through some reading and other things i had just kind of come to this place that something there was off so um when i came back from the renewal leave let me say I got to go back one more thing before right before the renewal leave uh, there was a group of small group of folks who were working on uh, some you know a a direction that was going to be pretty um, uh, significant and putting some details to that and process to it 
and uh, we had it in good shape, but there was some things they were going to work on while I was gone, like two or three things. Um, and when I got back, this person was so excited to share with me what they had been working on. And they had this whole presentation two days you know, after I came back and I, we had our meeting and they and she and they unrolled this whole different thing that was nothing like we had talked about. So, um, I, you know, at that point then, you know, I had just gotten to the place where I could deal with that a bit better, <laughs> a lot better. And so I pushed back about that. And, um, it was kind of the beginning of the end because for, for her, <laughs> because, uh, well, me too, actually, or the beginning of the beginning for me, um, she wasn't used to it and I had allowed it. And so when I first, you know, started to say, no, uh, we're not doing it that way because that's not what we had agreed to. And I left and, you know, now here we are at this point and, um, you know, this isn't, this is not um, going to fly. And so uh, it just started confrontation after confrontation of, of what behavior had been toxic to the whole system when I started to confront it or to at least say no to it or to stand my ground about, no, this is what we've decided and this is what we're going to do. In other words, I was saying, not you, the one person, but the whole is, you know, the the whole organization is what's going to be the focus here. So anyway, I hope that made some some sense in what I was, you know, but yes. trying to explain a particular situation and that's just one of many um, where I kind of gave away my own role because of my uh, fear and anxiety and and all and people pleasing and all of that. So, yes, exactly. You kind of hit the nail on the head there with people pleasing. That mm -hmm. and when you came back after realizing all of this people pleasing that you had been doing, and this person got very, let's say, offended or or they mm -hmm. got uh, kind of. Uh, struck back by the fact that you had set a boundary now, yes, uh, because they right. had understood they had understood that the relationship was, oh, you always um, agree with what I say, and you mm -hmm. and, and that and the, and they kind of expected that people pleasing from you, right. not that they knew it was always people pleasing, but they probably right. had this um, this mental image of it. They visualized it as oh, everything I say. Um, uh, Dale mm -hmm. always takes into the high, highest respect and always agrees with everything I have to say. He's yeah. going to love this presentation and he's yes. not going to disagree with it. And as soon as you disagreed, it was like, okay, there's something wrong here. Right. Something happened when he was away and he doesn't he doesn't like me anymore or something like that. And that was, yeah. let's say, the, the, the visualization that they were having. That was the right. deflection that they had. Yeah. And I think that happens to a lot of people when it comes to when they start setting boundaries where they haven't had boundaries before let's say it's something like uh, you come over to your friend's house and they always have a messy house and you're like, okay. And, um, and you start maybe cleaning up their house every time you visit, you're like, okay, I'm just going to sweep the floor or do a bit of hoovering or maybe wash the dishes or something while we have a cup of tea and, um, or have a coffee or something. Mm -hmm. And the next thing they kind of expect is like, Oh, um, every time Eugene calls around the, the floor will be swept or the, the dishes will be done. So I'll leave them for when Eugene calls over. And next right. thing over time, you realize, hang on a second. This yes. isn't right. 
Um, I'm 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 expending myself here because I thought I was helping them out, and now they expect it of me. And then you said to boundaries like, you know what? I'm not call- I'm not calling over just to clean your house. Mm-hmm. The next thing they go, okay, well, I'm not making you a coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and next thing you realize, okay, there was there was definitely something that was expected, or there there's a resentment going on here. But mm-hmm. it's it's not, let's say, a deflection of who you are as a person. It's like, okay, we need to communicate better. Right. And we have to, yes, when you come to that realization, you set the boundary. I think it's important to help the other person understand where you yes. are coming from. And Absolutely. sometimes they can, they can get on the defensive because they're like, okay, you're changing, you're changing the dynamics of the relationship here. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. And, and it's like, there's, there must be something wrong. What right. happened to you? Why are you changing this? Everything was perfect before you left. And, right. And, and, yes. and, I was and, getting everything I wanted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I did. And again, this is just one example of several I could tell that were similar, but and with this situation, you know, we did have some those conversations about, you know, this is why, and this is what's been happening, but that can't happen anymore. And, um, and then it was for the next year. Well, was it? Yeah. Well, months, months, it was just, you know, everything began to be just like that, you know, just this, you know, uh, pushback on, on their part. Now in that situation, I was their employer and boss so you know there was only so much of that that i could explain for them to accept i mean uh, there's only so much so many different ways i could you know try to help them get it it's like you know this is the way you know we're going to (laughs) be i'm setting these boundaries and this is why um it was it was really rough it was rough I think it's when you, when you're in that leadership role and you're trying to change the dynamics of the business, mm-hmm. and, I, and especially when people are not or when people are resistant to that change, when they've gotten so comfortable with, oh, this is the way things have always been, and mm-hmm. next thing you come back and you see things with a completely new lens, and you're like, yeah. okay, these changes need to be made, and that's often going to be met with a lot of resistance, yeah. Yeah. and it's almost like you're trying to. Sometimes, again, this is something that I've come across a lot on the podcast is when you're trying to change the culture for the better, mm-hmm. but people are resistant because they don't want to change the way things are, even if it's a very negative or a burnout culture and they they just got comfortable. They're like, look, I do the bare minimum and I, I might not be too happy with the way things are, but the discomfort of changing the dynamics yes. of what's going on right now is more uncomfortable than just putting up with the small things on the day-to-day yes and i think that um on some level as well even though people tend not to be aware enough to to say that uh there is a there are people who benefit though from the culture in the unhealthy way that it, it is and so they uh there's power dynamics that go on and there are people who are not in formal roles and i'm coming from a person who works with a nonprofit so there are people who are paid and i'm their boss that's one dynamic and then there's a whole you know volunteerism too because there is nobody has to show up when the church did anything you know so, so there's all of that too with that kind of an organization but um 
you have people then who are not in formal roles of leadership. You know, they've not been elected to a board position. They have not on the committee. Uh, they're in, they're important as a part of the community, but not making those decisions on a daily basis. And they are often, you know, it, and it doesn't have to be them. I shouldn't have just acted like that was the only thing. Sometimes there are people who are in positions of some sort of power, uh, of, of a role of leadership, like this one staff person I was just mentioning. Um, so either way, though, the unhealthy culture can benefit people uh, and give them power or they have assumed that power or they may be the person uh, who is always kind of like I think she was redirecting you know so that things come out the way they want <laughs> and people have learned to let that happen um, my leadership coach uh, calls it dancing the dance and when you Stop when you are the person who, like you were talking about, change you know setting up a boundary. Um, so think of it like this too: you're going to step out of the dance that's always been danced. It's like you know I'm not dancing anymore. This is not good for me, and it's not good for the organization. I'm not dancing anymore. We got to find another dance. And the person, you know, the person who's just still dancing the same dance is like, wait a minute, because they know if they step this way someone's going to be right there to step that way, you know, and then when that stops, they are just really not sure what to do. So another thing that goes along with that, um, you know, is that I had heard before and been taught that change equals loss. And so people are often just, you know, wrapped up in the grief of that and people handle loss in different ways. Some get, you know, lash out and get angry, like I mentioned earlier at the other uh, place that I was at, you know, and, and uh, you, you can't, you never know how that's going to be uh, until it, it it happens and you're in the middle of it. And so if you are not sure of your own self, you know, have a strength within you that you are able to to hold on to during those times, you're going to be uh, tossed. I mean, I had to, you know, just that's the only image that came to my mind, just tossed around um, from place to place, uh, person to person, um, you know, just, you know, trying to figure out where you even fit, even though you're, you're the, you know, you should be the person who's leading. So one thing you covered there, that's definitely worth another mention is when you change and people see it as a loss. Mm -hmm. Recently, I went through my own uh, changing my own career, complete, mm -hmm. complete career change, because uh, as, as you said, um, my last career, uh, almost a decade long, it just no longer aligned with my, my values and my beliefs. And as soon as I stepped up, as as soon as I stopped dancing the dance and started speaking up and setting my own boundaries, people were straight up to be like, you have so much, you're going to lose so much by um, stepping out of this career. You're going to mm -hmm. lose your yeah. pension. You're going to lose this. You're going to lose security, all this. Right. And I was like, yeah, but I might be happy. And <laughs> yes. I might, I, I might actually <laughs> enjoy the work I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I might actually feel fulfilled. 
and mm-hmm. and at this point I was I stepped out of my career without having a job lined up. Mm-hmm. I just knew that the work that I was doing at the time wasn't fulfilling me in the way that it used to. Mm-hmm. And that was right. nothing against the company I worked for. It was something that I knew that it was something in myself that had changed. Yeah. When when I had burnt out, it had been for a reason. I had to figure out what that reason was. It took me a while. Mm-hmm. It took me about mm-hmm. three years to mm-hmm. finally realize what that was. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to go on a journey to try and uh, and figure out why exactly that was mm-hmm. and what needed to change in order for me to find that purpose and fulfillment again. Mm-hmm. And when I finally made that step to stop dancing the dance and make a sudden career change as it looked to everyone else, um, they were <laughs> like, oh, you have so much to lose if you leave right now. You're right. losing all the security. You're losing this. Look, look what you've built over the past 10 years. You're going to lose out and all that. And I was like, yes, but what if, if I step out and see the bigger picture, mm-hmm. I see something that I wouldn't have seen before if I just stuck my head in the dirt and for another 10 years, what if, and it was, yeah. it was, it was a, what if instead of looking from a uh, place of scarcity being what if you lose everything here by making a change? I was like, what if I make a change here and it's a change for the better? Right. And for some people, again, once I stopped dancing that dance, it made them more aware of it too, because I took my head out of the dirt. They were like, you know what? Maybe I should think about that too. You know what? That was actually, that's a very brave call. Maybe I should think twice Hmm. about what I do. Maybe I should start setting boundaries. And sometimes it takes it takes someone to step up and take action to mm-hmm. create that ripple effect. Just not not that everyone else around you is going to start leaving their jobs and making change, making big change, but just to help them become more self-aware. I think mm-hmm. that's what it all boils down to at the end of the day. It's trying to get everyone to be more self-aware of why they work, what what work they do, why they work, what their core values and beliefs are. And I think a lot of people throw that around all the time. What they're they're like, oh, it doesn't stand for my values. But when you ask them what their values are, they kind of stop for a minute. So uh, not not trying to put you on the spot, but what are your core <laughs> values and beliefs still? Well, I think I can do that. Uh, (laughs) So the things that um, I thought about that when I left, of course I did. Um, And the, the, there were two that, that forced, that pushed me or that led me really to, uh, to leave what I was doing. And that was that the organization that I was in the the denomination was not inclusive completely for LGBTQ people. And I knew, um, I mean, it had just been something that had been part of, you know, uh, discussions for so long and decisions and votes and all of this. And I was just tired of it. I said, I want to live the rest of my life, um, not only welcoming everybody, but celebrating who they are in community. Uh, I want to marry who I want to marry. I want to just be, you know, if I'm going to do that in the rest of, you know, in the future, 
Um, and that was a huge part of it. The other was the institution itself, um, like I said, was so focused on its own uh, preservation that I began to realize that all the that that so much, not all, so much of what I had done in the last thirty years was was along that same you know same track you know was to just you know get people to come here so you know so they could participate in everything that we're doing and the this institution uh would kind of become the center of of our lives <laughs> and so um i um so my you know from the the core of all of that i um um my mind I, i'm not going blank because i don't know that's so funny i just had the moment <laughs> so uh um i did not believe any longer that christianity itself is the only uh way that had any value in the spiritual world i believed in the value and worth of every person um, I believed in, I believe in, um, well, I also found the institution to be very shaming. And so shame is something that I just work against now. It's part of who I am and what I do. Um, I uh, also wanted to uh, be sure that uh, what I am doing contributes to people's well-being. And so those are just kind of the, some of the things that drive me. Um, and I began to realize that those things were not what I was spending most of my time doing. So. And as a leader, do you feel that that was, let's say, very conflicting that because you're in a leadership role in that organization that so sometimes when people are, are as an employee, they're like, okay, I'm just going to ride the wave and wait until everything hits the fan and then leave. But when you're in that leadership role, you feel that like you have an active part in that company's or that organization's vision. Mm -hmm. So does that make you question your core beliefs and values even more? Yeah, what happened with in my situation was that I started about, oh gosh, five or six years before I left to actually begin to organize a, my own work around some of those things. And there were people who were coalescing with that. And it did not, well, people in the hierarchy, you know, my own supervisors and folks who were uh, kind of above me started to really pressure me to not do my not to be that way like to fall in line and to to um uh you know only walk a certain way <laughs> I'm, I'm using that as a metaphor but you know just um not speak about those things not do that sort of they they, they would talk in group meetings about um innovation uh, you know, and, and, um, uh, dreaming out of the box and, and, uh, you know, being fresh and fresh expressions of, 
of of how we're going to be together as this you know as the church or in my situation um but when you got out of that box you know if it wasn't it was kind of like out of one box into their other box is what they were looking for and i just um you know and and that was part of the pressure on me to say i do not want to be part of this anymore because of you know the way the the corporate culture was Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people, sometimes they get sucked into the vision of a company. They see the the branding and they see the, the what's in the public eye. And they're like, oh, I love how green and how the, uh, like inclusive diversity and all of these um, like big buzzwords the companies use for to, to bring people in. And next thing you finally get into it, and you're like, oh, this is this place is a complete mess or yes. this place does not care about me. I'm just another mm-hmm. number. Mm-hmm. And next thing they're like, oh, but it uh, it pays the bills. And they just shrug their shoulders and say, I'll get on with it. That's right. And next thing you realize, but there's so much opportunity out there. Yeah. I think that and that was one thing I was doing when I was, again, job searching, that mm-hmm. I was looking for those companies uh, that were aligned with their vision. And then when I went for an interview, I was asking questions that the interviewers just weren't comfortable with. Like I'd ask what... One of the main questions I asked when I was being interviewed was I asked the interviewers what gets them excited about work in the morning. And they were kind of taken aback and they were like, well, sure, to, it, it's work like. And next thing I was like, okay, you, and, and straight up, I, I, sorry, that was very Irish of me. Um, but again, it was something that was, uh, they just didn't have that, let's say, maybe I was looking for that excitement or vision or something that that I expected, let's say maybe a leader should have some drive. And if, if they, in the interview, if they're interviewing someone, they want them to join the team and they just shrug their shoulders and they're like, Oh, work is work. Not, right. Oh, I look forward to working with my team towards a common mm-hmm. goal every day, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if it was a little bit rehearsed. But as soon as I got an honest answer, that was like, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, then I, I don't I don't see myself working here for the next 10 years mm-hmm. until I finally landed um, an interview where the manager and um, let's say the interviewers were mm-hmm. very open and very kind of motivated about and, and very clear about what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I, I like what this team's vision is. Right. And I like I'd like to see where this goes. It, it really piqued my interest. And I think that's what a lot of people should look for in their work. I, I know some people, they like to sit in the background. But mm-hmm. I feel that in order to feel motivated in your work, you need to find a team as that is aligned with your goals and beliefs too. And mm-hmm. again, as you said there, you as soon as you realized you were no longer aligned with what the organization had in mind, then it was your time to step out. Yes, I needed to find like be authentic to to what yes. I was, who I was, and was becoming, and the kind of expansion that was happening in my own self. Um, yeah. So, so when it came to again, you had let's say counseling and therapy for mm-hmm. becoming more self aware. Were there any other external factors or activities that helped you to become more aware of yourself 
Yes. Well, I mentioned coaching. Uh, if that's the kind of thing you're referring to, yes, I uh, uh, worked with a, a coach for many years. Uh, gosh, probably 15 or so. And then um, counseling uh, and a spiritual director I had, which, you know, in my for me was a was a part that I added that uh, was really helpful. Um, and, um, I, I, yes, that, that was that. And actually I went through, I, my pause was, I was thinking, well, voice therapy too, but I don't know if that's another whole podcast, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, it kind of started in that land, you know, with that as well, because I ended up sick and then couldn't talk and went to voice therapy and uh, what I was asked to do, Eugene, is really what prompted me to, to take the counseling or the, the coaching and the spiritual direction I was doing anyway. But when I was being asked in the voice therapy to be able to do the exercises to relax certain muscles in my throat or my chest or my shoulders and or, or to do certain things with my breath, like deep breaths, and, and you know, I couldn't do it. I mean, it was so... It was very difficult, and I realized how tense I was holding my body, and uh, that's when I thought there is something more that I've always known. I've been a tense person, but I didn't know how deep it went, and then I went back to counseling, and because I'd also had those memories of the abuse that started to kind of pop up and uh, did some exploring with that, so that just took that, you know, kind of to the other level, so all those things together, um, were uh, were really instrumental in in that point that point in my life so i do like the fact that you mentioned the voice therapy there okay because i know a lot of people that have felt let's say that they're like oh i've lost my voice it even happens to me about two years ago where like i i used to love i used to love singing all the time i was in mm -hmm. musical theater i used to play guitar and sing a lot and next thing about two years ago i just completely lost my voice Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I I completely lost my range uh, and so then of course I stopped singing because I did not like the, the the fact that I didn't have my range anymore right and next thing I realized that and, and it took it took me a while uh, that the reason that my voice was being caught was the fact that I was holding back a lot of things that mm -hmm. I wanted to say yeah fear of, of offending other people Yes. And it wasn't until I started podcasting that it actually started to come back okay. because I was like, OK, I need, I need to speak up a bit more. And as soon mm -hmm. as I started becoming more outspoken, I was like, OK, my voice is becoming a lot deeper and clearer again. I'm being yeah. more articulate. Mm -hmm. And then I came across a really interesting podcast. Um, I can't remember the guest name. I'm definitely going to have to look him up again. But he uh, and I, I'd, to be honest, I'd love to have a conversation with him because what he said and he was he was doing an interview but also going through body language with the podcast host and he said mm -hmm. i can hear that you're feeling a bit caught up here now i want you to tell yourself that um i speak my truth and i i, I my truth deserves to be spoken i was mm -hmm. something along those lines and as soon as yes. he said it you could hear that all the tension came out of his, yes, out of absolutely. his voice. and yeah. he was like oh i'm speaking so much clearer now so right. when I started podcasting, then I was like, all I can speak is my own experience. I can yeah. speak my own truth. And 
people can criticize it but again that's their own personal opinion but i can speak right. from my own opinion it's my own voice mm-hmm. and i can speak i choose to speak freely mm-hmm. and it was just that's something as simple as that so just saying it out loud and just um, reframing it that way being like mm-hmm. i'm holding a lot of tension here on in my neck and in my chest and by choosing to just speak freely it just mm-hmm. released all that tension so maybe that was something that you did cover in your voice therapy. Oh, but something that again it goes to a much deeper level than yeah. just the the physical tension. Yes, absolutely. Because there's a big difference between forcing your voice out your mouth from your throat and relaxing yourself because you're confident in what you've got to say and you're okay that you know you also know that you need to say it and that you can speak it just like you said. And it coming from that place in you, which is way deeper, you know, um, and just that everything else kind of, it gets out of the way so that the voice can come out unrestricted. That's what I learned in voice therapy. And that's, uh, you know, and, and the difficulty I had to do uh, in doing that is what put me, you know, sent me back to do counseling yet again <laughs> in my life. So. Awesome. So Dale, if there's anyone that wants to get in touch with you and learn more about your um your space for discussion or if you're coaching, what's the best way for them to get in touch? So yes, I I coach. I have a uh my memoir out where I talk a lot about this. Um and I have uh do a podcast called um uh the unlearning blog. I'm sorry, that's my blog. My podcast is here for me. All of that you can access and discover on my website. So it's really simple, dalelikens.com. And I love uh, that. you'll find I, it all. I, again, one thing I do want to mention about the unlearning blog is something that we did cover there around overcoming those conditioned beliefs that we have yeah. that f- from our childhood. And right. it's something that we carry on through life. And this is something that I have brought up time and time again is these conditioned beliefs that we have. And mm-hmm. of course, we just covered in the episode. Um, but again, that is something that you cover a lot in your in the unlearning yeah. blog. So that was something that I really uh, respected like, when I came across it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea of just unlearning to make room for, you know, the the new things for you, for you. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. As a matter of fact, when you asked me about my core values, my hesitation was my mind, the way it worked went back to my very first blog, which is in 2020. And I wrote like a list of what I now believe. And I just, it tripped me up because there's like eight things on it. And I just like, I can't remember them all. <laughs> so, but people can go look for themselves. <laughs> awesome. Brilliant. Dale, again, it's such a good time having a conversation with you again. And I really look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you, Eugene. I'm glad we uh, found each other to be able to do this.